IT band is not here, so but we'll endeavor to persevere. Alright. Um, welcome to our Tuesday night. Uh, Bible class, glad you're here. I'm going to have to keep me awake a little bit, I think. I think we're all stuffed. Uh, this is our Valentine's uh, service special. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, serious note. Uh, Nick, Nick at work, he, he has a little bit more close contact with, uh, and he has constant updates on Dave and Sierra. Um, a bit on our prayer list that I still don't know what caused the infection and everything caused her to end up losing her limbs and they're still trying to fight off the gangrene which is still in the um, they were trying to save some of her arms and stuff and she's had uh, I think and well they're still in the surgery again this morning and so they're they're still trying to save her life so be with Sarah and uh, the father uh, David's trying to get kind of bring a little bit of normalcy to the to the two young kids, they were able to see their mom yesterday, and uh, so she's uh, her lungs had had problems with her lungs, her breathing, and leakage in her lungs. So it's it's a constant battle. So continue to be with Sierra David on in this and this battle. Uh, that's the main one on my list. That that's up there. Uh, anybody else? As far as prayer list? Oh, just prayer mercies for Chris. He just told me he's leaving Monday. Because he's got to get his clearance uh, up-to-date badges and all that sooner. So he's got to to leave. Does he need any help over the... I asked him. We're going to get together with him Saturday. Okay. um, To give him farewell and... Probably afternoon uh, dinner or something, and um, okay. Uh, the travel mercy for Chris. Yeah, gonna miss him. Okay. He'll be back. All right. And that's what are you doing up there? Let me do something with that. My IT person out here. Let's turn to our Lord's Prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for our time to gather to fellowship in your word. Thank you for this assembly. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word that we assemble around. We lift up our prayers this evening, first and foremost to Sarah and David, for the family, for those two little boys and uh, and the trials they're going through. We uh, continue to be with the doctors and, and their work working with her to save her life. I pray comfort, supernatural comfort for her and wisdom for her husband and for those two little boys. May your glory, may it be that your glory, um, that even through all this, that you're glorified in all this, Heavenly Father. Be with our Brother Chris, as he's getting ready to get on the road and travel mercies for him, and as he's leaving to go and conduct some business, we ask that you be with him. I pray, Heavenly Father, for our brother that for spiritual footing, that he's hungry to to grow, he's hungry to draw near to Thee. I ask that you be with him, and uh, I pray, lift him up. I pray for his family, and uh, that he would become a spiritual leader within that family that he wants to be. And uh, may his wife and 
his child and their eyes be open to to their their closer relationship to follow his lead. Be with us tonight. Guide the speaker in truth and those who are here to discern and and discernment. We'll pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Our passage is in Hebrews chapter eight. Now read up to where we're at. Now the main point and what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, if we were on earth, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect a tabernacle. For see, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is a mediator of a better covenant which was has been in, enacted on better promises. And Throughout the scripture, we see a movement to better. When you look at evolution, when you look at uh, liberals and what have you, they lift up evolution and they say that man is progressively getting better. And I think anybody that knows the truth say no. Uh, Mankind is in the decline. But when it's related to Christ, everything is becoming better. And this, I think, sets this whole thing up. You've got a better priesthood. You've got someone better than Moses. He's better than the angels. And this sets it up to the most... The best thing is the, the better covenant. And that's what we're moving to. Uh, just just as a review, a quick review of what we had. Uh, the, author, the writer of the scripture is pointing to the main point, what the point, the, and he said the main point. This is what we're driving at. This is what we're going for. And he said, "Who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne in the majesty of heaven?" And the things that we see on earth, the tabernacle, the rituals. Remember what a ritual is. A ritual, rich, a ritual, is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And we can say that with the articles like the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the, the tabernacle, the, the furniture within. These, were, these are representations, just representations of a heavenly reality. We said that, the, the, uh, that for the time in which they were used, that they that they had to be consecrated, that they were for special use, and you dare not desecrate them. But those the the usefulness of them has come to pass. Something better has come, and I want to make sure that we do understand also about the law, <clears throat> because we're not saying that the law when we talk about the law and and the Old Testament. The law really ha- is a, I, I wish I had my board, I don't, but if you draw a triangle, the law is a, a trinity in itself. Within the law, there is the moral aspect of the law, there is the civil aspect of the law, and there's the ceremonial aspect of the law. And when, when we say that we are no longer um, abide by the law. Well, we really, as Gentiles, never were under the law. That's always that. That is Israel. That is 
This was the Constitution. The law, the Ten Commandments, the 613 commandments, was a part of the Israelites' uh, the, their Constitution, not the Gentiles. All right, but but however, there are aspects of the law which are very much pertinent even to them. The moral code has not been thrown out. You talk, somebody can say, well, the Ten Commandments, that was for Old Testament. Yeah, uh, but in fact, which of the Ten Commandments can you break that's not, not a sin? Then you have the keep the holy day holy, yes, but we do keep that because Jesus Christ is our rest. There is the moral code that we continue to keep. That hasn't been thrown out. And then you have the civil law, uh, the civil aspect of the the commandments. And that that is, for again, that is for the nation Israel. That is for their part of their constitution. Uh, and every for throughout, there's governments throughout different types of governments throughout the world. And we are under Romans 13. When we we are to obey those government governmental um, structures, uh, but on that note, when a nation follow if a nation would serve well to pattern their laws after that that those wonderful that wonderful law that was that God gave. To the Israelites, remember the Israelites were under a theocracy, a, a nation ruled by God, and those laws. I, listen, and you may say, and some people may be shocked by that. Oh, go back to the Jewish law. Don't you know what that they would put people to death and and um, for for stuff like even for fornication and for for homosexuality, they were putting people to death. You know, you must really hate people. You know, and, and no. No, not at all. But think about it. They, society, that law held the society together. Yes, you go out and kill somebody, you are going to get killed. You're going to get killed back. Well, how about the, the sexual sins? Sexual sins were part of the moral society. If that breaks down, guess what? So does your individual, so does fam- uh, marriage and family, which is a fiber of the nation. So then, if you were caught, if you're caught out, um, in ad- if you were caught in adultery, that's a death penalty. And you may say that's draconian. But how is that helping our nation now, where there's a breakdown of society? And we're on our way out. Um, so there, and, and if, if we had the death penalty for homosexuality, you think we would actually have a woke problem in our nation today? No, I don't think so. So, am I advocating that we should become uh, that we should adopt it? I'm just saying that we wouldn't uh, that a nation would not be so wrong as to adopt a style or a, a pattern by which was given to the in civil law and then a ceremonial law. The ceremonial law has been set aside because something better has come. The ceremonial law where, where you entered a tabernacle, uh, the priest would come in once a year bringing the blood of the sacrifice to sprinkle it upon the, the altar. And, uh, and for, but remember, after, uh, after Babylon, there's no longer the ark in the, in that it's an empty chamber, but what it was was when when that tabernacle was there, when it was there, they would the priest would go in and would sprinkle blood on it, and that was once again that was just representation of the reality. The curtain has been torn, and that curtain actually that stood between the the holy place and the holy of holies. Uh, it represented it represented the heavens. Where Jesus passed through and went to the real, they went to the real. Uh, he went to the real tabernacle. He went to the real altar. The thing that the the 
altar here on earth only represented. So which do you think is better? The replica or the real thing? It would be the real thing, right? Alright, so for every high verse three, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice, so it is necessary. This high priest also had something to offer, and he did. He offers himself. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer gifts according to the law. Why not? Why would, if he was still on earth, why, uh, why would he not be a priest at all? And you know the answer to this. Anybody? What was the question? I'm sorry. Okay, if he, it says here, now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer gifts according to the law. Why would, if he was still on earth, why would there not be a priesthood? A met, let's just say, no kids and What's that? Because he never died? No. Or Because if he was here on earth, uh, at that time, it's, he couldn't be a priest. Why? Because he was, he was Judah. He was from the tribe of Judah. He wasn't a Levitical priest. He wasn't from the Aaron's priesthood. So if he was still here on earth, the Levitical priest would still they would still be in operation. Question on that? Okay. I don't understand it. So I guess we'll talk oh. about it later. <laughs> we've, we've talked about it. Who's? Uh, Are you talking about Jesus? Okay, Jesus. What tribe was he from? Judah. 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 What tribe is the priest from? What What is the priestly tribe? Mm-hmm. Levi. Levi. Yeah. So if it's still on his earth, it, it would be the Levitical. It would be the tribe of Levi that would still be the priest, and he. And somebody from Judah could not be a priest in the tribe of Levi. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, light bulb may come on. So, verse 5, who serve, and here it is, who serve a copy of the shadow of heavenly things. Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle, see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which is shown you on the mountain. But now, he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is a mediator of a better covenant. Who was the mediator of the Mosaic covenant? The mediator? The mediator. He, he was the one who who operated, who who established. It was Moses, yes. Moses was the mediator of the Mosaic Covenant. And Christ is the mediator of the better covenant. And so here, here you go again. It, the something better has come. So, the, now, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is a mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. Everything is getting better. Everything that points to Christ. And uh, so let's move on now to the new covenant. So at the end of so verse 7 in ESV you just read through that, right? For, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Okay, right. <clears throat> so if the first law, which Moses mediated, uh, Moses gave, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it was perfect, then sacrificing would be kind of like saying that if, sac- if giving the blood of bulls and goats was a perfect, right. then there would be no need for... The better, better thing. The, the better. best had already come. Right. Yes. The best. You can't fix it if it's a perfect system. <laughs> and it, it really didn't. And oh, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're It's kind of hard, ain't it? It, it? It's kind of hard because you don't want to say this was a flawed. And I wish I got the. Uh, wish I knew the word for faultless. It doesn't. 
it was perfect for the time. It was adequate. It was what was needed at the time. But the Lord brought, the Lord didn't bring, everything's progressing to that which is better. Okay, for its time, it, it served its purpose. But it had, but it had the flaw, and again, we don't want to say that it was flawed. It just wasn't perfect to, meet, let's just say, meet salvation, like you've already alluded to. It did not save anyone. It wasn't meant to. It didn't meet the the highest standard of of the what was needed. Let's let's do this. Uh, let's look at the covenant stipulation of the covenant. Well, first of all, seven. What you just read. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. Let's go to Leviticus 26, I believe. I don't know if I'll read all of this, but but it gives you an idea of what's going on. And here's the here's the covenant that God makes with the Israelites. It gives them what they were to do, what they were responsible for. It was also gave what God was going to do and what they were responsible to. This is a contract. That's before we get to that. Uh, let me cover that. Uh, and I think you all know, and I'll, I'll do it as a questions of review. What is a covenant? A contract between two two um, people or two... You're going to say it right there. Contract yeah. between two people. Yeah. Contract between two people. And uh, before we even get to that, okay. So, and this is amazing. There's no religion in this world. There is no religion that where their God makes a covenant where He condescends Himself and binds himself to a term of a contract with his, let's just say, subjects. But Christianity, or 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 um, Judaism, or how do we say, our faith, let's just say faith. This God, our God, he has bound himself to the to a terms of a contract with man. That you said that, and and you think about that. It's it's true that there is nothing impossible with God, but you have to keep that in context because there are impossibilities when it comes to God that God can't do. God cannot go back on His word. When God says, "I will." That is that is a stipulation of something that God will not go back on. He binds himself to his own word. He cannot break his own word. So he makes a covenant, a contract with man. Now there's two types of covenant. What are they? Conditional. What, Amanda? Conditional. Conditional. And what is a conditional contract? Uh, means or covenant. that you have to do something to... Yes, correct. You have you have uh, there's terms terms you have to complete. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so if we're so, give me an example, if you will. Um, I don't know. So, by give me an example of a conditional contract. Yeah, lots of them say if you do this, then. I will bless you. So, and if you don't, well, that's, typically you don't have the negative. Yeah, well, you have it here in twenty-six. That's what okay. we'll get at. Okay. So there's conditions, and then and what's the other one? Unconditional. Unconditional. There is no this. And where do we get an example in the Bible of an unconditional covenant? Abraham covenant. Uh, What's that? The Abraham 
covenant that I will. Yes, the Abraham covenant. So there, there it is. The, so God makes a contract. He makes a covenant. Let's look at 26. And here's, here is a, the contract that God makes with His people. Um, and this is certainly conditional. 26. You shall not make for yourself idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image. Um, I mean, okay, image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figure of stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statues, where we, there you go, if, there's the if clause. You walk in my statutes, keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I shall give you rains in the season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees in the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, your thresher floors will last for you, you, uh, last for you, you until Grape gathering. And grape gathering will last until sowing time. And it goes on about the blessings. If you do this, then I, then this is what you can expect. And it's all good. Okay? Let's drop down to 14. Now, these are the penalties of disobedience. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all my commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my... Ordinances, so as not to carry out my commandments and so break my commandments, I, in turn, will do this to you. And I will appoint over you a sudden terror and compulsion and fever that all waste away the eyes and cause your soul to pine away. And also, and it talks about the enemies and all this. And I won't read all that. We can go back to Hebrews. But, so you can read all that on your own. So there is blessing and this covenant. There's a blessing if you do what I say. And there's a wonderful blessing. But if you don't do this and follow my statutes, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be penalties for disobedience. This is for the nation. And we do live in a time of grace, ladies and gentlemen. We do live in a time of grace. We live in the age of grace. Now, a lot of people... Think in a in a sense they've they've abused grace, they've misdefined it to the point that it was said, well I'm saved I'm saved I'm going to heaven and and uh, my sins have been taken care of so it doesn't matter how I live and they may not be so blatant to say that but that's what that's how they act within their lives I um, and reading this. Makes me understand, understanding that, listen, understanding what this means by Jesus being in the better tabernacle, um, in his mediation over a better covenant. We are saved not on the basis of, and this as much, and I do like the the you know some of the, the preachers that you know I, I hear I lo- you know like listening to John MacArthur and um, and and Bodie Balcom and all, but when it comes down to Calvinism and and they got they they present a good gospel, but yet they say if if you do not if 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 you don't act safe, if you don't walk righteously, if you, um, and uh, Stephen Lawson said you can, uh, there's no such thing as a carnal believer, and I I have to disagree with that because we can walk outside of the boundaries of God. What did it take to become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? What, what, what did it take to become set, to be saved? There wasn't anything on our part. No. It was just hearing the gospel message to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We had a decision to make and we made that decision. 
I am trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to do for my life what I couldn't do for myself. It's a free gift. It wasn't based on us. That it's like when I something I read in a book, and I forget the author's name, but he said it's like I've got something special for you, Amanda, and I got a gift for you, and I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. Um, I, a brand new car. You can have this car. It's yours, free of charge. Okay, no stipulations. But you're gonna to have to keep your grass cut. As long as you keep your grass cut, this car is yours. Wait a minute. Is that a free gift or not a free gift? See, there's no stipulation on salvation before, and there's still nothing. Why? Because, and this is what what came to me. Jesus Christ is in heaven, mediator over this covenant. There's no... And unlike... You see, there's a number of ways to make this a better covenant. But it's... For the Jewish people, for for people in in the... Uh, that we just read about. See, in that covenant, and this is who this is for, by the way. Uh, for the people of Israel, for Judah. We'll, close, we'll look at that here if we have a few minutes left. But, see, they, they have, one thing about this law, when you look through Leviticus, it all had to do with earthly blessings. It had nothing to do with their salvation. The better covenant was when the Lord left the bounds of this earth went through the heavens and now sits in the in the throne room of heaven where he's interceding for us. There is the guarantee of salvation by the blood of Christ. Now does that mean we can live our lives any way that we want? Well, we can't lose our salvation, but we are still accountable to God. And the writer is going to really cover this in twelve. Anybody want the judgment of God when we're walking? Because though you are saved, the Lord still disciplines His children. Anybody wants want the discipline of God? I certainly don't. No one gets away with anything. Come on back to our passage in uh, Hebrews 8 verse 7. We'll start there again. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for the second. Exactly right, Michael. Um, we're looking, we go to the best, the best covenant. That first covenant did not save anyone. What, how was someone saved? They were saved through faith. And in the, in the uh, Hebrew canon, they were looking forward to that, to the cross. And matter of fact, they didn't even go to heaven when they, when they died. They went to the compartment shield to paradise until this covenant was was sealed by the blood of Christ. Verse eight: For finding fault with them, says, "Behold, days are coming." Now, this is a quote from Jeremiah. Quote from Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. Start with thirty-one, thirty-one. I want to say straight up that this is not a covenant for the church. There may be very many arguments and some people may be already raising their eyebrows. But this covenant is not made for the church. It's made for, and it's specifically what it says, for Judah and for Israel. Let's read on. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Okay? And that means it's forthcoming. It's not in this age. But the days that are coming, that is with the establishment of Christ as king upon this earth, with the establishment of the kingdom. When I will effect a new covenant, okay, with the house of, look at this, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, ladies and gentlemen, I've said this before, that the church is not Israel, and Israel is not the church. And um, so we move on. 
again, this is Jeremiah, a quote from Jeremiah 31.31. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, did the church ever get led out of Egypt? Now I can lay out some arguments. Maybe I'll lay out the arguments um, on the Lord's Day coming up, however the Spirit leads us, because uh, I can lay out some of the arguments of counters to this and how 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 people how we can not we, but the arguments of why the church is a part of this covenant. But I'm I'm going from where I'm understand where I'm coming from. The church. This is not the church. This is not a promise to the church. For they did not continue in my covenant. They, who's they? Once again, we're talking the Israelites. And did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Repetition. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizens and everyone his brother saying, Know the Lord. Why not? For all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. How do I know that the kingdom has not been yet established? Because you've got a pastor teacher. Because you've got you got you got you got pastors, you've got teachers, you've got You've got. We're sitting here. We're we're still working things out in the Bible. We're uh, we've we've got the Holy Spirit, but we do we do not have a complete knowledge. But this is talking about God's people. This is talking about God's people, exactly. And we are His church, and we're going to be taken up. We are separated from it. Well, we're going to be coming back, and we are going to be with Him. We, we've got a different relationship. We're going to be the bride of Christ, and we're going to rule with Christ during that time. But we're talking about we're talking about people who are going in the remnant that are going into the the Jewish remnant going into the millennium. That those people will have when in this covenant they will enter a covenant with the Lord. And they will know, this, these are the Israelites, they will have a covenant written in their hearts. Okay? Shall I read that again? Verse 11. Verse 11. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all who know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities and I remember those sins no more. Going back to the promise that I've often used for our salvation. It makes it difficult, folks. Really, there are things to look at. There are, it makes it difficult when you really separate church age promises from promises from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew canon. How often have we said, uh, used the promise of that the Lord says, I, even I, will blot out your transgressions and remember them no more. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Israel. Just what it says right here. For I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. What's that sound like? I even I will blot out their iniquities and remember them no more. And by principle, yes. By principle, we do say that when we are when we are saved. As a matter of fact, even prior to that, um, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross paid for our sins in full. Telestai. So to the degree that our sins are not even brought up. When he was on the cross, he thought about us personally upon the cross. He died on the cross 
receiving every sin upon his body. And when he was said, he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that son, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, died for us. How did he die? By receiving the sins of the world upon his own body. It takes the sin issue off the table. The question is not about your sin. The question is, will you believe hey, you got a free gift that's being offered to you? Will you trust in Him for eternal life? So when we're talking about I, even I, will blot out your transgressions and remember them no more, He's not even talking to, about the Jews individually. He's talking to them as a nation. Because what we read in, or start in, in part in Leviticus 26, they didn't keep it. They became, they became not only stiff-necked, but idolaters. They, um, uh, we know about the Sabbath. We've taught about the Sabbath. They've, they've desecrated everything. God, they turned to the world. They made idols, and what what an awful thing that is to take an object. Here, here's the Creator God, who who they claim to be as God, and then go take up and make an object and say, "That's my God." Extreme blasphemy. And and we find in Jeremiah that God says, "I even I will even divorce you." Now. There are those that say, well, you see, they're no longer God's people. They keep reading the passage because God takes them back. And He will take them back. So, as far as what the Lord does when we find it in Romans, what He does is He he takes off the branches, the unbelieving branches. He cuts off. And He grafts in the new branches, the believing branches, the, the nations he goes out to the Gentile nations and and they gives them the stewardship of the Word of God. He gives Gentile nations favoritism over his own people. His own people become downtrodden. This glorious people because of their sin, because of their iniquity. He turns his back on them and he grafts in Gentile nations. That they may that uh, and and that's a study in itself. But the new covenant is coming, and that new covenant is going to be established not now, and not with the church, but it's going to be given to God's people at, at the at the second advent. Again, let's look at this coming back. There's so much more, so much that we need to look into this, and we we probably will coming on the Lord's day. But once again, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. It's not now. He's he's talking to these people. It's not. It's not now. It's coming. It's in the future, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. See that covenant? They're still in their sin. They're, as a nation, they're still in their sin. They're still in their um, transgression, I guess you could say. Okay? Not like the covenant which made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. I did not care for them, says the Lord, for the this is the co- for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord. Again, it cannot be much clearer than this. And I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Okay, now. The church is still the mystery here, uh, the, the mystery of the church age. We are not 
Israel, but we are the bride of Christ. And we will share in we will share in the inheritance with Christ, all that Christ is, we share in his inheritance, we share in his sonship. We have a different relationship with Christ than what Israel does. And they shall teach everyone his fellow citizens and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all we know, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I remember their sins no more. When he, when he said, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Okay, the first covenant, the Mosaic covenant, made that obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to disappear. It's not disappeared yet because there are those Israelites still clinging to the Mosaic Law. They're still clinging. See, that's all they got because they've rejected Christ and they're clinging to the old legalistic system. They haven't let go of the old to grasp the new. And there's coming a time when the scales, and I think that's what we're getting ready to study tomorrow in Matthew 24, when they see, when their hearts are open and they see the Son of Man coming, and um, they're going to realize that the scales are going to fall off their eyes. They're going to know and they're going to mourn at that at that um, situation. Okay, that's where we're going to close it out today. And let's let's go. Over for, uh, we got a little bit of time left. Let's go over our questions here. Thank you for the meal, girls. It was good. Thanks for really. All right. Floor open on the first question. How does the law within governments reflect the design of God? And we touched on this on the Lord's Day. <coughs> mean with the Ten Um, all governments. Any governments around the world. I don't know I don't know how much I went into this. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna. I, I think I may have touched a little bit on it tonight, but I'll, I'll answer it. Governments. What's what's neat and about governments? Remember, I, I did talk about this. It, there's the legal system. Remember, I said that when we when we look at when we look at um, the spiritual things and heavenly things and the tabernacle and all that. Don't look at it as something religious, but look at it as something um, civil, jurisprudence, like it's a court. Like we're we're standing because we we are sta- we are standing as guilty bodies before a judge. We need redemption, we need we have an attorney. But then looking at that and, and all these issues, rather than spiritual but judicial but all governments around the world do this, have set this up in this pattern. Kind of demonstrates that God's, they know there's God's law exists. Now they, they may not be, you know, like even Muslims have a court. They even hold court. And, um, nations throughout, uh, the world. So I'll leave it at that. You made a comment earlier about, <clears throat> you must hate people because you, you want to you want to kill people for murder or homosexuality, whatever. Yeah, or capital punishment. I, I don't want to kill, but I'm talking about capital punishment. The idea of capital, that's what I was going to say. The idea of capital punishment mm-hmm. mitigates those problems, mitigates chaos. Exactly. Because it just as I explained to the boys, I think you said it before, or I explained to the boys, if I tell you I'm going to do something, if you do this, if you steal this. You're going to have your arm cut off. And then somebody steals something, and I have to cut this one's arm off. Is this one going to, is this one going to steal? Probably not. <laughs> You're right. Because you've set, uh, you've laid down the law. I mean, it's. Uh, what do you think um, the divorce rate would be in a nation where. Um, Adul- uh, if you're caught in adultery, there's capital punishment. 
I'd say that the divorce rate would be a lot less. <laughs> Marriages, because a lot, many, many divorces happen why? Because of adultery. Right. Um, which affects the whole nation. Which affects the very fabric of the nation. Again, I'm not advocating that we go back to that system. I'm not standing up for it. I'm just saying that uh, what you just said, it would alleviate a lot of problems that we're having today. Alright. Number two. Priests serve in the holy place continually, entering and leaving the tent. How many times a year, per year, did the high priest go into the Holy of Holies? Two times. What? Man says once, he says two. Do you have a guess? Once for themselves and once for the sinner. Very good. Very good. If I ask the question, how, um, how many days a year? I thought you asked it as a trick question. I knew it was like you went over the two thing, but I thought you asked it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you could be correct. If I if, if I would say if I would say how many t- how many days a year did he enter the the tent, then it would be once. But if I said how many times a year, uh, the the answer is that the high priest he had to first go in to the holy of holies to sacrifice uh, to bring blood for him and his cleansing, and then he would bring blood for the people. Number three, what is the difference between the tabernacle that the Lord serves in and the Aaronic uh, uh, Aaronic priest? See? The one is built by... It's not built by human hands. Very good. The one's not built by human hands. Uh, You want to elaborate on that? Because it's... um It is not. It's not a. It's a heavenly priesthood. It's not a earthly. It's not an earthly thing. Something yeah. built by God, God. directly, or something yeah. that was from God. Yeah, it's from God. Okay, so we're also talking about the prototype, and we're talking about the authentic, or the replica, and the authentic. Okay, we also mentioned about like rituals as a. Physical representation of a spiritual reality, and then you have like the tabernacle is a just a replica of a spiritual reality. It's there to teach, says Paul in Galatians. Okay, Hebrews chapter eight three. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that the high priest also have something to offer. Who is the high priest reference? In this verse, when it says, "For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice," so it's necessary that this high priest also has something offered. Who is this high priest? Jesus. 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 Pretty easy. Okay. Um, what is he offering? From Christ Himself. His own. His own blood. His own life. Okay. Five, how is one cleansed per 1 John 1, 7? Okay, we didn't go over blood. that. You can look it up. But, blood uh, of Jesus. What's that? Blood of Jesus. Very good, the blood of Jesus. And it didn't go over that, but that, let's go over to, let's look at that. 1 John 1, 7. Amanda, you want to read that for me? I'm not there. You're not there? I'll get it. Beloved, let us love... Uh, am I there? <laughs> I'm not there. I'm but not if there. we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, Michael, elaborate on that. Look, What what does that tell you at that point? <laughs> What's this mean to you? <laughs> What's that mean to you? And I'm asking somebody with the information in his heart. <laughs> so, what's the truth of this matter? What, from what we just studied, and it talks about us being cleansed, what, what is that telling us? How are we still being cleansed by His blood? 
Are we still being cleansed by yeah, the blood? Yeah, but if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I don't know your answer. We're sanctified. And we're sanctified. He's still he's in the tabernacle. He is he is making intercession for us in heaven. Which makes sense. So he's he's constantly listen. He's eternal. The priest in the the priest in the uh, the Levit, uh, the the Aaronic priest the Levitical priest they go in once a year. There was no chairs in the tabernacle. They go in. They put blood on the altar. They go out and say, okay, see you next year. And so, then, then you go out through sinning and whatever throughout the year. Unintentional sins, sins that, uh, sins of omission and, you know, uh, not premeditated sins, but next year you have to come back, you have to do it all over again. Jesus is in the tabernacle. He's in the true tabernacle. And He's making intercession for us day and night. He doesn't leave. He is our Lamb of God who took our sin. And it, and it doesn't just stop at us being saved and going uh, and being, being children of God and being saved out of hell. But it continues to cleanse us. Just like we see in uh, 1.9 If we confess our sins He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us. Purification. Katharizo us from all unrighteousness. And that is part of his work, his ongoing, his continuing work as he is in the tabernacle. Questions on that? We good with that? So he does that on the basis that Jesus is, he's in the Holy of Holies. The true holy of holies make an intercession for so, us. So, just to elaborate or or bring Please. the two together, when the when the priest goes into the holy of holies to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, could we say that's making intercession for the sins? So, so when we say make an atonement for sin, but okay, so is that synonymous terms? What's that? Atonement and intercession. Intercession, that is, he's standing in for us. He's, um, good question. I'm going to put that on hold because that's a, okay. Okay. I, I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'll be off the cuff on that. I don't want to be. But. Okay. And I, I guess I always understood making intercession for us is like a, 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 a pleading as a, a continued as a, praying. Well, I, okay. We'll come back to that. Okay, we'll come back to that. But in this, he is continuing offering the sacrifice. He's he's there. He's offering himself. He's there, and um, he his. Uh, we'll we'll get more into that. I'll get I'll work on that to give you a good straight answer on that. It's just hard. I don't want to shoot off the cuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Okay, number six. Why would Jesus be disqualified being a high priest? If he were on earth, he covered that. Le- Levitical priesthood was uh, still in operation. Levitical priesthood would still be in operation, and he was from what tribe? Judah. Judah and Judah and priests didn't come from Judah. Priests came from Levi. Number seven. What was it that Moses was warned by God when he was to erect a tabernacle? That you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Yes. And what does uh, what's that tell us? You can you elaborate on that one? That it that it was a a um. We just went and said something about that. He he seen he 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 caught a glimpse. Of the holy place, the the heaven, heaven, uh, the third heaven, um, right? Right. Well, he, uh, on the mountain, it said it's on the mountain. What he saw on the mountain, maybe he had a vision on the mountain. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he went to heaven. I don't think he went to heaven, but he at least he at least 
had observed what it looked like, either on a mountain or he had a vision or what have you. While he was on the mountain, maybe he was given the vision of this. I don't know. I'll hold that. I'm not going to say what happened, but let's just say while he was on the mountain, he was able to see uh, a glimpse of this, and it had to be a good uh, a good representation. It had to be something that he saw in heaven. He couldn't add nothing to it. And it said that he had to be careful to make that replica just like what he saw in heaven. So, uh, again, I like what Chuck Messler said that when Jesus, when Moses came down from the mountain, he not only had the commandments, but he had the blueprints to make the altar and the, the, the ark of the covenant, the tent and all that. Alright, coming down to the wire. What it, what was important that Mo, uh, why, or why was it important that Moses followed the instruction perfectly? Oh, that was supposed to be why. I would, I would just say that <laughs> it's important to follow every instruction that God says perfectly. But, uh, once again, he, he wanted that the, um, that imagery had to be set up perfectly. No ambiguity, no nothing out of the box. Okay. Um, what is a covenant? Contract between two people. Contract between two. Okay. Um, and what are the two types of covenant? Conditional and unconditional. Conditional and unconditional. Um, is the better covenant, let me throw one more question in with you. The uh, new covenant, or the better covenant that is spoken of by Jeremiah 31, 31, and we read in Hebrews, is that a conditional or an unconditional covenant? What was that again? The covenant that we read in Hebrews chapter 8. Close out Hebrews chapter 8. Is that a covenant? A conditional covenant or an unconditional covenant? Unconditional. Okay, why? Why? Well, he says, uh, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach. It, it goes on, but it says, I will. I will. Am I, am I wrong? You are absolutely right. Oh. Is there anything... Uh, What's missing is no, uh, there's no if clause. No if clause. That's what I'm looking for. No if clause. And I did. It, it is interesting here. It does eliminate. It seems to be. It is not I will. It's more I am. Mm-hmm. When you're in the conditional, it's I am, and it's more the unconditional is more I will. And he's dealing with them. Yes, it's. I will. This is what I will. It's not with the conditional. It would be, if you, then I will. But there's no... It's more I am. Yeah, I am. And this this all depends on me. I am. Notice he deals with this nation for so long. These stiff-necked people. He still deals with all of us individually. And, and, And note this. He's dealing with the nation. Not dealing with them as individuals. He's dealing with them as a nation. Um, individual, even today. A, a, a Jew or uh, like anybody else. Individuals can hear the gospel message. And they do. There were those who hear the gospel message and they respond to it by receiving Christ as Savior. But what we see here is the Lord dealing with the, with the nation Israel as a as a people group, not individually, but he individually all of them that the law is going to be placed in their heart as a as members of that nation. Okay, but um, but all the way up to that time, it's still by faith, by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping together this evening. We pray that you continue to enlighten us to these important points. There, there is the deep things of deep things that we're digging into. 
there's still questions. There's still things that, as Bereans, that we need to dig and uh, that we need to look into and uh, solidify these truths within our hearts. Where there is error, open our eyes to them, to to the errors, that we may come to the truth of every matter of Scripture. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. In these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The, the word for uh, faultless was amemptus. Uh, what is that? Amemptus. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. Your